Um, guys, my text this morning is found in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 1 through 6. And amazingly, the subject of that text is the resurrection. Now, I, I, I bet you've heard sermons on the resurrection before. I um, have certainly preached a few. And it's hard to find anything really new to say. So what we're going to do today is try to focus on um, that which we already know. Call it the old. We'll, we'll focus on the old. Um, but what we're focusing on is the resurrection, the resurrection from the dead, life after death. You know that thing that we, that we so fear, death? You know, someone said that um, the number one fear among Westerners is um, the fear of public speaking. That ain't true. We, we fear death a whole lot more than we fear public speaking. So this morning's subject addresses that, that thing that troubles us so often. So listen up, and you might get some help from the text um, about this thing that can be a real menace to us. Uh, we'll talk about it. So um, aren't you glad you came this morning? <laughs> Now, let me read my text. It comes from, as I said, Matthew chapter 28. You follow as I read from a book that is inerrant. It's infallible. It's the very mind of God is black words on a white page. And they read like this. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And here is my text. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever. I want to start with this morning by mentioning something that I mentioned last year, um, but none of you were here last year. We were locked up tight, weren't we? Um, but I didn't, I said several things about this little clause that's at the middle of verse 6, but I didn't say this. So I just wanted to add this to what I said last year. It has to do with that, as he said. Um, he's not here, he is risen, as he said. You know, I, I continue to wonder how that was said by the angel. I mean, did he say it playfully? Did he say it joyfully? Or... You know, was there a rebuke in it? Um, as if the angel said it like this. Uh, he is not here. He is risen. As he said. I mean, for heaven's sake. Um, did you not listen? I mean, he said it to you three or four times. You know, it probably wasn't a rebuke. Um, to these women on an otherwise monumental day, it probably wasn't a rebuke for them, but it is for me. When I, when I see those words, 
I wonder if the angel says at least to me, Jenny, did you listen? I mean, did you listen closely? I mean, how many times do I have to say something to you before it ever gets through your thick skull? Were all of his words treasured by you, Jimmy? So much so that you wouldn't waste precious resources unnecessarily? Like here? Folks, these women came to a tomb to embalm him. They were caught red-handed with embalming spices in their purse. They came and, and he had told them numerous times that he was going to rise from the dead. Well, what were they doing with embalming spices? Did you not listen? I mean, they, their intentions were good. Their art was in the right place. But they, their efforts misfired because they hadn't listened to what he said. They brought spices. <laughs> when he had told them over and over and over again that he was going to raise from the dead, the spices would not be necessary. Don't worry about the spices. They won't be needed because I'm going to rise from the dead. Just as he said. You know, perhaps those, those embalming spices weren't wasted. Maybe they were used at the next funeral. I, I don't know. But um, I, I have wondered how much of what we pray and what we plan and what we try to execute as a church and as, a, as individuals is nothing but a misfire. And it's a misfire because, dadgummit, we just didn't listen you know, there's a statement in James chapter 4, uh, you remember that, this is pretty well known. This, it, he says, um, you do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you ask amiss. You ask wrongfully. Well, folks, what, what makes us ask amiss? Well, at least part of the reason is. We didn't listen. And I wonder how many times we've prayed or planned or programs at the church that were nothing but misfires. And had we listened, we wouldn't have prayed that and we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have planned that. So when I read those words, it's a, it's a certain measure of rebuke. Listen. Listen carefully. Well, folks, that's the appetizer. Let's see if we can't move on to the main dish. Um, there are two things in this text that I want you to take a look at. One of them is just the facts. And I want us to look at the facts and then follow them wherever they lead us. Um, and then the other thing that's in this text, verse 6, is an invitation. And we'll come to that invitation in just a minute. But let's first of all look at the facts. Now, the facts are he's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Um... I wonder also how that was said. Because did the angel say it like this? Did he say, um, or she, whatever angel gender they are, um, he is not here. Long pause. 
You know, these two Marys had planned to be handling a dead body, which is rather macabre. But instead of doing that, what they heard is, uh, the one you're looking for, he's not here. He's gone. (laughs) And these women, already overcome with grief that he was dead in the first place, are now told, ah, the body's not here. It's not here. Uh, You know, the one um, that took his life, ah, they took his body too. That's if there was a long pause. But if there was no pause, and they said it like this, he is not here, oh, that's the bad news. And quickly, he's risen, that's the good news. He is risen, three words. Three words that have sent mankind into a tizzy ever since they were spoken. Um, Those three words, ladies and gentlemen, brought the whole Roman Empire down. He is risen um all of jesus's enemies at first said that that's impossible Uh, you know it couldn't happen it's pure invention nothing but myth it's a hoax it's just religious gobbledygook and then you know 1700 years later a german comes up with a new idea that he really didn't die on the cross he only swooned and he resuscitated inside the, the tomb. Well, uh, that's called the swoon theory, ladies and gentlemen. But then, to the enemies of Jesus, the evidence starts piling up. Evidence so convincing that the physical, bodily, personal resurrection of Jesus Christ has as much verification as any fact of ancient history. You know, folks, um, some of you will know about this, uh, the Gallic Wars of Rome. Do you know that there is more evidence for the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, 50 times more than the, the, and we study those in school, the Gallic Wars of Rome. But there's mountains of evidence that face you down over the resurrection and only a little bit about those wars. So it's not an allegory, it's not, it's not a symbol. Jesus didn't rise in your heart. He didn't rise, you know, figuratively, but he rose in reality. He's not a phantom or a ghost, but a real man, one that you could touch. He's a real man who rises from a real grave and to a real life. Now, now gang, those are the, the facts, and, and if, those fa- if that's not factual, then I want you to know we got bigger problems, much bigger problems than just the resurrection not being true. Because, uh, for example, you remember that story that's found in John 21 about uh, Jesus walking on the seashore with Peter and asking him three times, uh, do you love me? Well, that didn't happen. Now, not if Jesus didn't resurrect, that didn't happen. Because Jesus didn't resurrect. Or then in the very next chapter in the Bible, which is Acts chapter 1, that story about his ascension, (laughs) foolish, foolish people, that didn't happen either if he doesn't resurrect. And then if Jesus isn't resurrect, what about the the information in Acts chapter 2, which has to do with Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? What about that? That didn't happen either. You know, one of, the, one of the proofs of his resurrection that I don't think gets mentioned very much, maybe it just appeals to me, I hope it'll appeal to you, but 
one of those evidences is that, that during that period of 40 days when Jesus was resurrected, um, I, I, I've often asked, where were all of his enemies for those 40 days? Um, they never tried to arrest him. They never tried to stop him or hurt him. It, it seems that they, he was beyond the reach of his enemies. Apparently, they, they couldn't hurt him anymore. And so they were stupefied into silence. I mean, Judas is dead, but Herod isn't. Pilate isn't. Uh, the Sanhedrin's still functioning. And what about that jeering crowd? Where are they? Where are they for these 40 days? Well, I would say they were silenced, paralyzed, stunned by a fact for which they had no explanation. Oh, they made up an explanation, one they knew was not true, just like people do today. So, folks, here are some of the facts. Uh, he resurrected. He stays around for another 40 days, makes numerous appearances, and then he ascends to the right hand of the Father. Now, is that the Jesus that you believe in? Because that's the only Jesus that exists. That's where the facts take us. To that Jesus. Because there isn't another, folks. And now that he's at the right hand of the Father, what's he up to? Well, we're told that he intercedes for us. And in John 14, we're told that he's preparing a place um, for all those who belong to him. Isn't that something? His work in heaven still has us in mind? Folks, he was precious here. But he's even more precious there. Doing in heaven what is needed to host us. And he will not be satisfied until all of his people are with him. Now, guys, um, that's just a quick rehearsal of the facts. But let me try to make just one proper application of those facts. I'm sure there are dozens of proper applications, but here's one. Um, based on those facts... I dare not put my heart any place where he isn't. You know, guys, he taught us that in Matthew 6. He said, don't store up treasures on earth. Which is the very thing that some of us are, do is doing, are doing. So, my heart is here, not there. And so I end up wasting my life. And it is probably true that there are some here this very moment who are doing that very thing 
just wasting a life. So that's the facts in at least one of the places that it takes us. Look with me now at the, at the invitation that's in verse 6. He, um, he says, he's not here, he's risen just uh, as he said. And here's the invitation. Come see the place where he was. Um, folks, do you know what the invitation is? You know what they're being invited to? Why don't you step right in here and see where dead people were? Why don't you come on over here and let's, let's, just, uh, let's just take a look at the place or, you know, where they lay dead people. You know what happens to dead people, don't you? Well, come on in here and take a look at that. Folks, that's, uh, tombs are not exactly places that I have high on my list of places to visit. Um, so why? Why is it that... Um, that we, that these ladies are invited to come look at in the insides of a tomb. Well, I, I think there's several reasons, three that I want to mention quickly, but one of them is simply that on that morning, the evidence needed to start someplace. And so these ladies take a look at where they lay Jesus, no, he's not there, and so the evidence begins to mount. That's one reason. But here's the second reason, ladies and gentlemen, at least for, for us. Um, in your mind's eye, come on over here and take a look inside this tomb. Uh, we want you to just look at that just for a minute, because at least we want you to know this, that the, um, the ones, the one who made the heavens and the earth was in there. He was in a place where you put dead people. Folks, um, in Jerusalem, there are two sites, competing sites, for his tomb. One is run by the British, it's called the Garden Tomb. And the other is in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is an interesting place. Um, and I have my druthers as to which one I think is real. But it's not, you know, it's really... It really isn't important to know which is the one place where Jesus was buried. The real issue is not which one is the true spot. The real issue is he was in a tomb for heaven's sake. The Lord of glory was in there? I mean, what's he doing in there? <clears throat> Folks, have you been to a burial site lately? Have you been to a funeral lately? Because our burial sites are pretty much cosmetic up. You know, I've, I've, I've stood over my share of burial sites, but there's one that scarred me. It happened years ago when I was in Florida. It was a young 17-year-old boy who had been killed in an automobile accident. He was a part of our youth group there in the church lived in Ocala. His name was Lamar. But uh, he lived in Ocala, Florida, but they were, he was being buried in Gainesville, Florida, which is about an hour away. And so I, I didn't want to drive up with the uh, procession. They drive way too slow. Um, and so I zipped on up and got to the right place. And um, 
I mean, I was there probably 30, 45 minutes before the procession ever got there. And so I made my way in the cemetery to the right place where he was going to be buried. And there was a hole. And because I had gotten there so early, this hole was not covered with that green astroturf stuff, you know, that covers it. It was a hole, a rectangular hole. So there I stood out in a cemetery in front of a rectangular hole and there were the roots of the trees that penetrated all four sides of that rectangular hole. And folks, it was sobering. What are we going to put in there? So to be invited to a place where the dead are laid, that's spooky. Guys, have you seen the Corona beer commercial that features Snoop Dogg? <laughs> I mean, in that silly getup that he wears, um, and he walks real funny, and I, I would love to imitate it, but I, I think I would embarrass my wife. But um, he's, he's advertising Corona beer. And, you know, he, he kind of lopes over to the, and holds up his hands and he says, into the hole we all must go. But I don't want to get there any quicker than I have to, you know. But I think the implication of what, into the hole we all must go. So everybody grab yourself a Corona now. Drink up. Ladies and gentlemen, I agree with him. Don't drink one. Drink dozens. Because if you stand in front of that hole, you'll sober you right up. Nothing is quite so sobering as a tomb. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus was in one of those. Come on over. I want you to see where he was laying. Now guys, there's one other reason I want to suggest that the invitation was extended here. Think with me just for a minute. Did I cause Jesus to lie in that tomb? I mean, was it my sin that laid him there? Was this what it took to pay for my sin? 
Did my sin put him to death? Yes. 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 And yes. So come on over, ladies and gentlemen. Take a look into this place where Jesus lay. And remember, our sin was so bad that it required that. Apart from that, sin could not be paid for. And then you might also remember that when it's my turn, I'm in good company. Because like him, I'll not be there long. This is not where Jesus is, and this is not where we will be. Because you see, because you see, this tomb is empty, because that one's empty, mine will be empty too. There will be no spices needed. But you know, I hope that all of that hinges upon whether or not I belong to Jesus Christ. Come on over here and take a look at the place where the Lord lay. Stand there and cavil if you will, but your scorn will not change the truth of this story. The only thing that will matter on the day of your demise is do I believe in Jesus Christ? Do, do I belong to him? But be careful. Because ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says even devils believe certain things about. Did you believe all those facts that I mentioned to you earlier? Good. But ladies and gentlemen, that is not saving faith. There's a vast difference between saving faith and an intellectual assent to some historical facts. You see, the real thing, the real saving faith shows up in a changed life. Has what you called your faith changed your life? Because folks, it changes us and it continues to change us. So much so that when we die and go into that hole that Snoop Dogg mentions, would somebody for heaven's sakes say, she's not here. She's risen. 
just as he said. Folks, this resurrected, ascended Jesus who now intercedes for us so that we will make it to the finish line is also the Jesus who is preparing a place for those, for all those who belong to him. Do you belong to him? You think about that. Our Father, would you stir the hearts of your people this morning to the place where they can celebrate over a victory that was won for us by Christ over this this menace to our soul called death. Remind us, O God, that this life is nothing more than a dress rehearsal for the real one and that what we are doing now is simply preparing to stand before God and meet him and the only thing that will equip us to do that rightly is Christ Jesus could we see him today in all of his resurrected beauty do that we ask it for Christ's sake Amen.